Escape from plan A. I guess I would just slip in. If you're out there and you feel like you're gonna strangle the next guy with a handlebar mustache that crosses your way and you're a little scared by that feeling, come, <laughs> just, just come talk to us. We'll sort you out. That's right, that's right. It's not worth it. <laughs> I'm gonna put that in the beginning. We're gonna, right. Okay. <laughs> talk about is liberal racism. Um, this is something yes. that started to uh, started to kind of come out a little bit where they were taught there were articles about hipster racism if you remember that. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. One of the uh, you know I, th I think when we talk about racism in America we usually mean sort of the white underclass you know the people that showed up in Charlottesville the incels right. the alt-right you know, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, sort of like the KKK, neo-Nazi. Neo-Nazi, yeah. You know, lyn lynch people, sort of. The, the deplorable, you know, the, the clearly fucking yeah. racist people who are like just... Exactly. And I think those are the people that are like pretty much the face of American racism now. There, there's, there's still an aspect of racism, I think, in America that is, you know, really endemic to liberal spaces. But it's, it's just that much harder to talk about and to identify. Um, but I think most people, uh, most non-white people would be nodding their head in agreement. Like, yeah, that's very true, right? Like, I think there's an immediate mm. recognition that, that there definitely is a kind of liberal racism that has so far escaped, I think, a lot of uh, scrutiny. Because the yeah. problem now is that it's just so easy as like a white person to just dunk on Trump and then it like absolves you of everything. I would say, you know, to follow up on, on that on that intro, um, if you're sitting out there and you're kind of like, I'm not really so sure what, what teen's going on about. Um, I don't know. It seems like there's one test that uh, I've been confronted with over the last couple of years uh, that's made shaped my thinking on this. And this is, you know, if you read a report on the alt-right, you know, the Charlottesville uh, debacle, you know, the all, of, you know, Richard Spencer, all mm. of these, these, you know, horrible people on the in the new alt-right. If you hear what they say and read what they write, and there's actually a little feeling of relief inside you, like, oh, fucking, finally, someone just these people are just saying it. I feel like if you have that little mm -hmm. feeling inside, that's what we're trying to unpack right here. Because if you live in these like met metropolitan spaces, you're probably if you're if you're a non-white you know person, uh, chances are there's this there's this feeling you have inside that you can't quite put your finger on, and it just takes moments like Richard Spencer or somebody actually you know a truly abhorrent person just saying it out loud for you to kind of like see like feel a little relief that at least it's being said. One of the things that they do, and I think this is one of the big differences between, I don't know what to call that kind of like open racism or is the degree to which that they're willing to admit that being white sucks. The degree to which they feel like they actually suffer because of a loss to white status, which I think is the core of the honesty to me, is their mm. ability to say something like that, which if you think about it, there's a certain like a, like a certain pride injury or narcissistic injury that takes place for them to actually get to the point where they can say yeah, being white sucks and it shouldn't suck. Whereas I think in the liberal spaces, 
that the pride is still there, right? Like, I think that they still openly, like the one thing that a white person in the liberal space can say is admitting openly that being white is awesome. And I think, didn't Louis C.K., he had this whole bit about how being white fucking rules. And he's like, yeah, sure, yeah. in like 100 years or whatever, like, you know, you're all going to kill us. But for now, fuck, it's awesome, right? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, his whole bit was also like, there's no time in history I wouldn't go back in time as a white person and like, it might suck because I could be a peasant, but I wouldn't be a slave, right? Like, I wouldn't be like a black person yeah. somewhere. And we can yeah. revisit that one. There's an element of that that definitely needs to be unpacked. But, I mean, there's a lot with right. him saying, you know, um, yeah, it, it kind of rules to be white and male. Because let's face it, if you're a white woman and you go back mm-hmm. too far in time, you are pro- you may not have a great time either. Um, you don't have to go that yeah. far. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's, there is, a, I mean, I, Tina, I think you're right. Um, there is a lot of... Uh, I sense a lot of relief on, you know, in this rallying cry that it does seem like a collective. It's kind of a mourning, I think, for a, for a time and place that is forever gone now. Um, and I think this is mm-hmm. there's a huge appeal to nostalgia. Like you hear, it, you know, make America great again. Right. That again is like it's so mm. evocative. Right. And we all know what that again is pointing to. It's pointing at the past. Yeah. Um, so I think implicit in that is the is some acknowledgement, some collective acknowledgement that can that the current social landscape did not provide an outlet for that it is fundamentally something is fundamentally different about what it means to be a white person in in this time and in this era as opposed to the era in which your dad or your grandfather was uh, uh, in in their times basically. But that mm-hmm. isn't that the aspect of it that I think liberals are very dishonest about. Very dishonest. Is, I f- right? Like, they're still yeah. holding on to this. You know, the person who actually I find very interesting because he kind of bridges the two is Gavin McInnes. Interesting. Uh, for yeah. people who hmm. that doesn't immediately strike okay. recognition. Gavin McInnes is now, he's one of the original founders of Vice Media, uh, which is yeah. like, you know... It comes from Toronto. It's headquartered in Brooklyn. It's like, you know, fucking it's on the HBO. Of hipster it's, culture, man. Vice is like, yeah, it's like the sort of the epitome. It's like the most legit thing that hipsters have ever done in terms of media. Yeah, right? It's the apex. The it apex was like their, it, yeah. their, it was their, what's the word? Their Nate, not their Nader, but it's their. Apogee. Yeah, it's their crowning, yeah, it's their apogee. It's their crowning achievement. And the, one of the founders, Gavin McGinnis, like, you know, right now is the leader of basically what would be considered a white supremacist group called the Proud Boys, which yeah. is in a way kind of a, a, a hipster white nationalist thing because it involves, it actually has a lot of minorities in it, like non-white guys, black guys, Asian guys, Indian guys, you know, like, it's kind of interesting. It's like pan-ethnic uh, white supremacy. But, Hmm. So this guy, though, I think is is really interesting because he sort of bridges that sort of like hipster culture, which I always thought was an aesthetic movement more than any sort of political movement. There was, to me, mm-hmm. very little political content in the hipsters, the Brooklyn hipsters and the Portland hipsters. They were mostly, their politics were mostly encoded in aesthetics. And by that, I mean, you know, the sort of like tight, tight uh salvage jeans the raw denim the uh the gla- you know the um the plastic frame glasses or the tortoiseshell glasses mm-hmm. 
old-fashioned haircuts, undercuts, mm-hmm. um, a lot of vintage stuff. So they like to do things the hard way. They like to make their coffee using, uh, you know, an elaborate uh, uh, lavazza or whatever that thing is called, uh, espresso machine from Italy. Uh, they like to right. m- make their own right. pickles. They like to sail cocoa <laughs> beans on, can- you know, on schooners uh, into New York Harbor before they make their $13, $14 chocolate bar. <clears throat> the point being that, like, the the hipster culture to me was very interesting because there was a MAGA element to it because it always referenced this fantasy of an America past. And it, it always mm-hmm. harkened back to some unspecified time in American, in, in fairly recent American history where men were men, you know, and products had some sort of like fundamental craft quality to it. Cocked. Right, a pride though. Right, I mean, there was a pride a in the pride in American pride, and you. Yes, and, but the interesting thing was, like, from my perspective, when I would go out to you know the beer gardens and bars of Williamsburg, was I basically saw a bunch of people that were playing dress up uh, from their father's closet. I, th- I felt like it yeah, was just absolutely. A, it was just a bunch of guys dressing up as their imagined fathers, not their actual fathers, or or, or grandfathers, or grandfathers, or grandfathers. Yeah, but some, yeah. but they're. Not in a way that was accurate, like their dads no, didn't actually look no. like that. But no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was the sense of trying to capture something that they felt was lost, and so everything they did was mm-hmm. old-fashioned. It was a fundamentally backwards-looking aesthetic. They were not into new technology. They were not into um, sort of creating something new. It was all about reviving something from the past. And hipster culture, pretty much, I think was part of liberal culture. Yes. And I think with I Gavin McGinnis, we start to see the ways in which that kind of breaks down, that there is a MAGA element and a reactionary element to hipster culture that was fundamentally regressive. I thought and it there's was a, a ton white, of racism. I thought it was white ethnic exploration. I mean, if, you, if you're a second generation, you know, child of immigrants... And you look at hipster, mm. you know, hipsterdom, the rise of hipsterdom and what it kind of, what it meant to the people who followed that aesthetic movement. Um, there's something that should be a little uncomfortably familiar. I mean, one of the corners, I think it was, I think, Teen, you're right. It was an aesthetic movement, but I think it was politically encoded in a very real way. Like, there's definitely politics involved in what era they selected, um, what kind, what kind of imaging they were trying to evoke. And one of the obsessions is, you know, authenticity, right? Going back to the homeland. Right, I was going to use that word. Yeah, tunneling back to authenticity. Um, You know, having an having either working, you know, working in a medium or embodying some set of principles that's rooted in a time and a people not currently of your own, but that you, but that you have some connection to. That could be imaginary, but you still feel this connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. These right. This is the, these are the hallmarks of you know ethnic identity, the especially an well, ethnic c- yeah. identity that you pick up once you've lost it. Right. That that's the point. Right. Is that I think a big part of this is that, and we've talked about this a lot, is that there's there isn't really a deeply rooted American white culture, right? Like, what is American culture? Um. I don't know if anyone could really answer that 
uh, other than sort of referencing older European cultures, right? So I like the 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 hipster aesthetic and the hipster political movement seems to be trying to establish through looking back and creating a false history this sort of this is what white culture was in America at a very specific to time me. i mean the 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 times that they reference are so meaningful um one it, it's like the 1920s right or something like how what time would, I would you say i would say one is around the the uh like the turn of the century right between the 19th and the 20th centuries you know the rise of the okay. first rise of technology machinery you know the, you know, the the era that saw the skyscrapers being built, that saw a ton of mechanical innovation, right? And the start of that shift where people moved off the farm and into cities. That's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we curiously skip like 30, 40 years and land directly in mid-century uh, aesthetics. Yeah. Post-war. And there, I think, mm, yeah, there, you yeah. know what? The funny thing is, I think that, at least in New York, like, it's, 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 the the more money you have, the more to like the, the mid century you land. Yeah. So if you got money, you're out getting like an Eames lounger, yeah. right? And and uh, you're yeah. you're vacationing um, in Palm, you know, in Palm Springs, right? And uh, you know you you love Mad Men, right? And mm, that mm-hmm. that's if you got money. For some reason, mid century is the place to be or the time to be. If you don't have money, you go further back in time to like nineteenth, yeah. like late nineteenth century yes. or some shit. Yeah, it's really yeah, weird. Like yeah, yeah, it's like turn of the century when like yeah. um, they go real way back. Like labor muscle built like you know the skyscrapers and yeah. there was a, a, a real um, appreciation for the craftsmen who you had to rely on for all of your material but goods, working right? class, like you couldn't get really mass produced things. This is the part things. that really fascinated me. Usually when we do callbacks yeah. to lost, you know, a lost culture, right? People tend to to reach for the high class symbols of that of their of that culture. Whether or not you had a familial mm. attachment to that or not. But when we look at hipsters, the ones right, that go back right. to the like 1880s like lumberjack, um, you know, mechanic aesthetic, mm-hmm. they're actually mm-hmm. they're actually tunneling to like a working class uh set of cultural cues yeah yeah um oh, yeah yeah for sure no one no one's wearing a monocle yeah right? people are wearing raw, that right. they're wearing raw right. right but they're yeah. like no, yeah no no one's hearkening back to the to the like uh like uh, f scott fitzgerald but, you know great gatsby i think the reason sort of aesthetic i think right? the reason we're talking about that though is because i think that there is fun there like in america I think to be backwards looking is to, I think, almost by definition, like, be sort of racist. Any, any, mm-hmm. I think in America, like, any sense of nostalgia of the past requires a certain amount of dismissing racism as a problem. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things about hipster culture that really kind of suggested to me that there was an element of racism in it. Be- same way that the slogan, Make America Great Again... Uh, you know, I think it, the, the rise of it was a fundamental, I think was fundamentally about reasserting white identity. Yeah. Um, that's the yeah. important and, thing about those two eras one, that, they, they, that they reference. These were, this was peak America time. Uh, the mid, like the mid century era. Peak white era. America. Peak yeah. white America. Yeah. I mean the 50, mid century, the mid century yeah. aesthetic was not even enjoyed yeah. in that time by people, you know, of that time. It was specifically for the wealthiest. Mm-hmm. 
There was a trickle down effect. Yeah, it, right. It was a very small yeah. percentage. Um, yeah. One of the things about that that aesthetic is that really nobody can contribute to it other than white people. Because if you go back yeah. to that time, yeah. there is no, for example, there is no Asian aesthetic, Asian American aesthetic that you would bring to the table. And anything that was going on in sort of Asia itself was more or less imported from the West anyway. So, yeah, right? I, so would, like, I would have no way to... Everything mid-century looks the same. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I guess uh, this is where, like, Teen, your exploration into the Asian presence of mid-century aesthetics comes in. Um, so there, there yeah, was. Yeah. Um, but I, I get your point as well. Like, it would be a little... Mm-hmm. Like, sitting here in 2019 as a Korean-American woman... It it's really hard to find that much nostalgia for the fifties, like mm-hmm. um, it's just there's yeah, no, no personal and, and, and connection. And my point to with it. that, my my point in that article, which we'll link in the show notes, because like I that was that was probably like the most researched article I ever wrote, and like three hundred people read it. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll, I'll link it in the pod. But it was my, the article was us. about I I just talked about I think um, you know a couple really important like industrial designers and architects and stuff from mid-century like Minoru like I forgot his name Minoru something like, the guy who the architect behind the World Trade Center Minoru Yamasaki is the uh, Minoru World Trade Yamasaki uh, he's actually a super mm-hmm. famous architect uh, but nobody knows his name I am Pei um, I, yeah I briefly mentioned that- I am Pei uh, though he, yeah and then um, well, he's another one yeah the, the uh, Larry Shinoda who actually designed the uh, Corvette Stingray um, there's a yeah. there's a lot of others. There's um and and one of the Mustangs too, the boss. Yeah, Mustang. the woman um, sh- uh, who designed um, Pan's Pan's Diner. You know Pan's yeah. Diner in L.A. I guess the point of that article to me was just like there is an assumption that anything from mid-century America is inherently white, which is not true at all. Like if mm-hmm. you you know if you look at some of the most iconic mm-hmm. designs coming from that era, they're a lot of a lot of this stuff was Asian American, more than you would expect. Actually, it's very very interesting. And I know this sounds like sort of petty uh, quibbles, but I think it points to something bigger, um, which is this sort of like desire to. Here's how I put it, right? I don't think that in liberal in in liberal America. There's much of a sense of anti-racism. There isn't a sense that we have to like actively fight against racism because they don't believe mm. in that, right? They, they, they feel like racism is this sort of like dying. It's emanating from some dying ember. And as long as we and, – and the way you put out the ember is by dunk, uh, dunking on Trump. If we dunk on Trump enough, like eventually we'll just put the ember out. And what, what I think liberal America is, instead of being anti-racist – it's anti-race. It's anti-race identity, like, all around. And there's a sense where you kind of have to check your your ethnic identity at the door and leave anything that's threatening or anything that's, like, disruptive. You can bring stuff to the potluck, like your food, mm. you know, or whatever. Whatever it is that they want from you. You can bring your... You can bring your... We can bring the girls. But beyond <laughs> that... It's pretty much like, you know what I mean? Like, it's pretty much like the rules are kind of set. And they're very much, I think, in favor of this aesthetic that assumes that pretty much all creation comes from white people. I think Um, it goes a little deeper than that. I think it goes to all creation is for white people as well. mm, Uh, Because, you know, 
when you talk about, you know, um, the architects of, you know, mid-century aesthetics, a lot of the most notable names were Asian. And, uh, I mean, team, we were talking about this, uh, how, how Mad Men, the show, actually does highlight that, re- that uncomfortable relationship between Asia and that, that particular time in aesthetic history uh, together. Um, and a lot of the faces of that movement were Asian, but the consumers were not. The consumers were well-heeled white people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's still, it's even though, you know, we celebrate, you know, like representation, right? Like creators of products and concepts and art and what have you. But the audience, who that's for is also important in that too. Uh, there, I think liberal America assumes that uh, cultural products created uh, should be in service of this uh this uh, liberal America that reads white. It's for this, quote, liberal audience, and we're not allowed to talk about what color that liberal audience is. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like, and that's why I say it's kind of anti-race, meaning we all know that that's the case, right? Like, but you just can't say Mm -hmm. it. It's very hard to point out the locus of liberal racism because... Like you just you can't really talk about it, and whenever it well, comes yeah, up, they don't make it easy. Racism, they don't make it easy, right? What's that? They don't make it easy to point to like, oh yeah, they didn't say they hate the N word, right? Yeah, like, and they they hide it. And when it does come up, uh, it's often kind of wrapped around like um, a sort of like knowing detachment from it. Like for example, that recent uh, play, slave play, where. Oh. Mm. Um, basically like there, I mean, you know, our friend Trevor went to go see it and kind of told us about it, but basically it sort of explores the, um, it, it explores uh, a thing called race play, which is sort of like fetishizing or getting off on racism for interracial couples. So it's about a white man with a black partner and they're encouraged to, uh, act out or have, sexually act out a slave master slave relationship like there is a sort of like knowingness that's wrapped around everything everything's just awareness and consciousness and exploration and it's a space where basically like anything goes anything can get said because everyone's woke and there's no you know to say like right so never nothing's really authentic in this space like everything is sort of i, I don't know how to put it but it's like ironic it, it, this is a hard time ironic and detached and and yeah and, uh it's a hard topic to talk about like i know we've wanted to pot about it for a while but like it's very hard for me to actually describe what it is beyond to beyond saying that it's it's almost it's like describe it's almost like being in a jordan peele horror movie where yeah you know you you're seeing people have like incredibly racialized fucked up thoughts um, you're seeing a lot of like um, racial patterns, uh, and yet somehow none of it can actually be said because everyone is aware of it, or everyone somehow detaches from that. And I think a lot of minorities in, in liberal spaces get get gaslit because they see, for example, things like you know massive cultural appropriation, where you know things are passed off as authentically Asian when they're not. 
um, white people claim mastery over Asian skills before they really have anything. I mean, they're, it's, it's, it's that Dunning-Kruger mm-hmm. syndrome all day with like white people who do Asian food. Um, none of it is like life. It's not the kind of racism where they're going to come and like endanger life, your life, yeah. right? It's not, da- it's not right. danger, but it is stifling. It's a, liberal racism to me is very stifling. And I think it forces, it forces people of color to paint themselves into a corner almost just to stay in that space. Like, I think part of it is that we ourselves so want to be in those spaces that we'll kind of yes. just play along with like we'll, we're kind of we'll, we'll take the notes we'll take the beats from kind of what's going around well, us well and 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 justice in those spaces it doesn't mean like some it, it could just be like where you work <laughs> you know it's everywhere yeah. it doesn't need to be some sort of like special space that like you want to like get into it's just like you're literally just living your life you know in america or or any other western country and th- these things happen and then you just have to sort of decide whether you're going to make a point of calling it out or you just let it go because you're like, is it worth it? Well, the danger is is buying into that. Um, This is where you get, uh, this is where you get, this is where the gaslighting comes in. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. every kid, you know, who is, who is of color um, will have heard something in the, at school that's horribly racist or, or, you know, it makes them upset and angry. And they will be told, you can't take a joke. Right? This is this is the yeah. eternal, like, you know, get, yeah. get out of jail free card. Right? It was just a joke. Right? Why can't you be, with the implication, you just weren't cool enough to get it or participate in it, you know, to laugh along. So you're incentivized from a really young age to start laughing, to start buying into that. And there is a point when you hear all this, you know, uh, when you hear, you know, it's, it's always white people too, saying all this transgressive shit, you're like, oh shit, uh, wow, they're just saying it. Maybe maybe we have come, you know, we have crossed the, the racial Rubicon and we're just on the other side, you know, we're just in this uh, like bubble of egalitarianism where you can say the n-word and you can, mm. you can make jokes about Asians or brown people or whatever. Right, I, I, you know, you see a ton of sexism in that space too, which is like yes, ironic sexism. Is is that's it's weirdly a thing. Um, it's so that's the danger when you can actually buy into the myth that this is all a level that this has become a a utopia of a level playing field. So the danger then is if you're on the inside, it looks really scary to imagine being shut out from that. Because on the outside is where mm. the uh, the MAGAites with the uh, the torches live, right? Right, 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 right. Exactly. Um, so you're like doubly yeah, exactly. incentivized. Like what's the, what's the you alternative? You know it's fucked up, and you right? know you yeah. know in your gut something is wrong. It's just everything around you has primed you to believe that the alternative is so much freaking worse. So you end up having yeah. to support the system. And and it is better in a way. Like there, you do feel a f- kind of safety in it, or or whatever. It's like when I'm in like a liberal white space. I mean, I don't fear for my self. Yeah. Right. Like sure. If I go to the south, there are places where I don't feel totally welcome. Yeah. You know, like I don't feel totally safe, yeah. so to speak. But 
uh, or actually, I should say upstate New York, <laughs> which is <laughs> well, actually worse than That's the another South, place, right? yes. Um, and I West don't Virginia, mean Westchester, too. I mean upstate. You know. um, <laughs> no, yeah, well, Westchester is not upstate. No, it is God not. God damn it. It's not, it's not upstate. Um, but like, it, the, in the liberal space, I guess it, the, the, there's a creepiness to it for me, which I feel like is, uh, as someone like a Jordan Peele is, is really on the cutting edge of this in terms of exploring it. And it does, there's a horror element to it because horror movies are fundamentally built upon seeing something but not being able to call it out, right? And there is a sort of sense of, I can feel it and see it all around me. Like I am in, it's almost like living in a white person's mind. Like I'm living in a white person's dream. That's, that's what going to a, a, a hipster-centric part of town feels like, right? Like everything is so quaint Everything is so innocent. Everything is so. Um, what's the word? Something like that's excessively quaint. Uh, there's twee. a word for it. I forgot what the word is. Twee. Twee. Yeah, everything's very twee. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it just feels like a sort of like. It's kind of horrific for me, to feel like you know I and I've got to <laughs> behave consistent with that. Do you know what I mean? Like when you go in a store, yeah. a twee store, you got to be twee yourself. You know. Or if you go to a twee restaurant, you got to be twee yourself. And well, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's sort of like uh, you feel like if you don't act that way, all the people's heads in the room will swivel and look at you at the same time, like in a horror movie. Yeah. If you don't act that way, or you know, it's like if you if you step out of line, all the automatons are just gonna like turn and look at you, and you're like, oh shit, I got, I better, I better act now. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, you cut out there for a sec, but. Uh... Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. My, my internet's acting up. It's yeah. really no. isolating to Go be ahead. in those spaces. Um, like, some of, some some really good, like, friends have come out of us being the only two people, you know, say, like, say, Asian people at a meetup or whatever. It doesn't It's not specific to race. Um, it's just, you know, if I'm going to a meetup or something and it's and it's very clearly a liberal white sort of sort of thing going on. Uh, and I'm just sitting there, like, like feeling really alone, right? Like everyone is mm-hmm. seeing this emperor with, and it's it's a it's a matter of the emperor has you know not having any clothes really. Um, you just sort of feel like you have to buy into this, like like it's like you stepped into community theater or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone's kind of taking it's not on like this I role. I can't enjoy it though. Yeah. It's not like I don't enjoy it. Sure. Like, yeah. I, I love going, getting my blue bottle coffee or whatever. Sure. It's just that there's a, there is a, still a sense, no matter what, in the back of my head, I'm like, this is a white production. I'm living in a white person's dream. I don't know yeah. how to put it. Um, is that racism, though? I guess the question is, what, I mean, the topic ostensibly is about liberal racism. And I want to get to, maybe the, the other part of this is... Um, beyond the sort of like white centric aesthetic and the sort of um, the way, I guess what I'm trying to say is that aesthetic is itself a stand in for race. The aesthetic itself is so, you know, it's so suggestive of, you know, past eras of white male uh, dominance that, and mm-hmm. it's celebrated, and, and I, but I, it can't really say it, right? But it's clear right. that that's kind of what it's getting at. So there's a sort of aesthetic, uh, there's, a, there's sort of an aesthetic oppressiveness to liberal America. But then there's this other aspect to liberal America, which is the uh, prevalence of white guilt. 
And white guilt is something that I feel very uncomfortable around. I will see like literally like very like white people who really get it, like woke white people on Twitter that will, you know, interject into a discussion. Let, let's say that there's like a seriously like stupid, you know, uh, MAGA chud who's just saying dumb shit. Mm. And they're in a fight with someone on Twitter who's either Asian or black or Latino, whatever. And suddenly you'll get like a woke white guy that comes in and sort of calls out the white person for, you know, white explaining everything, saying that we got to do better, saying like, you know, this is the this is the kind of thing that they're talking about, whatever. And mm-hmm. I actually have more problem with that white person in a way than I do with the MAGA chud. And the, the more they get it, the more it irks me uh, in a way. And I didn't really understand why until um, I started listening to a little what Zizek was saying about these things. Uh, my favorite guy, Slavoj Zizek, who I, just, he's right. not that fashionable of a philosopher for the left anymore, but from yeah. what I understand. But I actually his think first that he fan, has... His first fanboys graduated. They're busy pouring coffee. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not heard his name much in America, but like I still think that he has some of the best insight into uh the way ethnicity plays out. And he said that white guilt is a sort of like humble brag. It's like a giant humble brag, which is exactly sort of what I was feeling, which is that the, you know, the ways in which white people are constantly pointing out you know, white people as the as the, the 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 source of all problems. All problems can can root back to, to to white supremacy and what white people have done, and white people need to take responsibility. Is in a way reinforcing, is deeply reinforcing of a relationship of a subordinate relationship, where non-white people uh, are put in a position of constantly seeking redress from white people as sort of their only way forward. And they will, you know, they're sort of like on the right side of that. But fundamentally speaking, the the position is one where, um, you know, white people are the only ones with the the uh, the power to have done anything bad, and therefore mm-hmm. white people are the only ones that are going to be able to correct that. And I find that there's real truth in that because the 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 power of a white guy to come in and shut down uh, a maga chud and the, the way that a white person can enter a racial discussion and kind of be heard more than anyone else, because, specifically because they're white, not in spite of it, is to me an experience of white racism. It's, it's, a, it's, the, it's the ways in which white guilt is a sort of demonstration of white power, superior, you know, power supremacy. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense, or am I just sort no, of? No, like... you're right. I, I've been thinking of this for a while. I didn't. I'm, I'm glad Zizek <laughs> put a brand name to it. This was kind of a thing that had been floating in my mind. Just uh, the ways in which liberals, if you actually put them on the spot to unpack, you know, what they feel, their privilege. You know, everyone ca- calls on white people check their privilege, check their privilege. I haven't actually seen very many people, you know, tell me what that actually means to do. <laughs> But on, yeah, the few, right. uh, on the few times when you do see white people kind of turn themselves inside out to talk about this, uh, it all just comes spilling out. Um, liberal and conservative racism, and, and we're applying political labels. It's only a loosely 
uh, accurate thing, but I think we all kind of get what that distinction is, like like Democrat versus Republican mm-hmm. racism here in this case is uh, it still rests on the same damn foundation. If you really unpack it, it rests on an assumption of white superiority uh, and, you know, overwhelming historical uh, supremacy, for one thing. Like, both sides cannot cannot envision a past uh, that did not have uh, white dominance. This was from, like, like, God created the earth and then white people took over. Right, like that's how. Which is so revisionist; it is. it's ridiculous. Right. Yeah, it it's, is. Which is just so ridiculous, so ahistorical that it's just in ways without, in, yeah, in I mean, ways that I think e- like even most not non-white people still don't understand. Like, yeah. it, like the more you dig into stuff, the more you realize that. And I guess I was trying to get into this in the article was to say that, do you, you know, it is it is actually incredibly racist to even I, there is a certain amount of racism. Or a lot of racism embedded in that assumption because it actually is rewriting history to be to make the, the your position seem more hopeless than it actually is. Yeah, it is. Right, like it's, like, it's really like, sad to see like like pe- people you know activists on Twitter uh, they kind of internalize that when you know in all these calls against white supremacy it it's like they're it's it's in the scale and real you know. And I see real anguish in this, so I, I, I have empathy for that. Uh, but the way they talk about it makes it seem like they're trying to go up against an earthquake, some natural, yeah, some force of nature, right? Uh, I, and that to me seems like the wrong, it's, 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 a, it's a worthy fight, and if that's the scale you envision this fight to be at, then power to you if you want to take that on. Um, but it also sets you and, you know, your, uh, your target up for a seriously sick relationship uh that just mm. it just cannot be resolved uh no matter how you want to how many ways you want to talk about egalitarianism because look okay if you want to take that premise uh as un- at face value that white people have always been at the top um this is actually this can actually be an argument for letting them stay at the top do you guys follow what i'm trying to say here I do, and I think there is an animal yeah. farm aspect to this. Yeah, that you know, that's kind of like saying, you know, as bad as it was, uh, it probably would have been worse if it was anyone else other than us. And right, the the I think it does serve white interests to to white guilt in a way. What you want to do, like you know, if you really want to like buttress the white male position here is to make the past sound absolutely awful and hopeless. Yes. Because the only way we got from there to here was... Was through white dominance. Was through, the, was through white mercy. Yeah. Right? Which yeah. is totally not the case. Like, like, you know... White excellence and white mercy has got us to this utopia. Yeah. And it, to the extent anything got better, it was, it, was, it was in spite of their resistance to it, not because of their mercy, right? Uh, right. It was their calculation that the uh, resistance was just too strong and 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 uh, uh, potentially dangerous to at least not throw a few bones at it, and that's the story for sure. I mean, it, I don't think it takes much historical education to find out that that is actually the case. But the revisionism I see in white liberal spaces is the the way in which like the 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 more hopeless that they sort of set the past out to be. 
exactly is what you said, Jess. It kind of sort of reinforces our dependence to say, thank God yeah. I live in 2018. And in my yeah. mind, I'm like, dude, 2018 is like one of the worst fucking years. Are you kidding me? You like, you, yeah. when people go, oh my God, are we still doing this as 2018? I'm like, yes, yes, we're, we're doing it because blows. it's 2018. Yeah. 2018 90, fucking blows. It's every, don't, 97 don't was all right. Better, you know? 97 was okay. 2018 blew. Yeah. Um, we should rate <laughs> years like vintages. Um, but, you yeah. know, just going... So, <laughs> yeah, like, liberal should. and conservative racism still rests on the same damn foundation of white supremacy. Like, yes. whites have always been at the top uh, since the very freaking beginning. Um, yeah. Uh, so, where you go from that politically um, diverges, but that foundation is still, is still fucking rotten. And I think it manifests yeah. itself in very ugly ways on both sides. Like you said, Tina, it's not like I'm worried about being lynched when I'm going to a liberal space. But I'm also, it's also, un, it's also the case I don't really want to sit around and listen to some white chick in dreadlocks tell me about how indigenous people uh, are so pure at, because they only eat roots and shoots and white people didn't corrupt them, right? <laughs> With all their technology yeah, and Coca-Cola, right? right? Um, so it's mm -hmm. paternalism on uh, on the liberal side um yeah yeah yeah, still, yeah. It's because, e because that yeah. that makes that makes uh that makes native americans out to be and and uh the, i guess the term native american Everywhere. itself has it's... that embedded into it you can't you almost can't the way english is set up and the way white people have set up to talk about native americans is like there's no way to not infantilize them yeah like the language does not allow yeah. you access into any narrative which doesn't fundamentally incentivize, uh, infantilize them into sort of like childhood purity, yeah. Where they're almost incapable well, yeah, of yeah. you know the full all you range learn about of human them is that yeah goodness and badness yeah you know and yeah. white guilt because all you is, learn about is them is a dimension is that of like, that uh, yeah. more than anything else. Um, like I had a very interesting conversation. I'll say um, with a with a a white guy. Um, who was like falling over himself, um, apologizing, like, we just started getting into like, like war atrocities for some reason. I don't remember how it got to that point, but he's telling, you know, like he feels so okay. guilty that, you know, all of the, you know, the mass murderers and dictators and, you know, despots of history are all white. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so forget about like good shit, right? We're, if we're talking about like humanization, humans are good and bad. Uh, people can do good and bad yeah. things, right? Yeah. Both demand, like, so you want to play up how white people were responsible for everything good. Now you want to also say white people were were the only ones to be fully human enough to be able to do the truly bad shit too. To be bad, yeah. Like I don't know, like our boy yeah. Genghis did a pretty fine job. The Persian Empire was yes. was pretty fucking advanced and brutal, right? So it's a uh, so liberal yeah. racism just manages to. Uh, just claim all dimensions of humanity as white artifacts. There is no, there is they're no. Both, they're both, they're both struggling with. Uh, yeah, in a way, it's like the white liberals are the ones who still believe in white omnipotence. Yeah, and the magachuns, mm -hmm. in a way, are the ones who are sort of like living a reality that does not allow them to buy into that anymore. Yeah, I think that's kind of what the magachuns are at. They're, they, they just. They can't. They can no longer buy into uh, the assumption of white 
uh, omnipotence because they're white and they're completely impotent. Right, and they're fail signs. Yeah, See, exactly. What I want and, to hear from a liberal white person, you know, in this right now, is um, like the white guilt thing really creeps me out in some way uh, because it's a total it's a total denial of self interest that I find really suspicious. Um, because let's face it, if you were, uh, I'm sorry, a total denial, a denial of self interest of self interest, uh, okay. you know, in some dimensions right. of this, like, okay, look, if you were a straight white man, you know, in the fifties and sixties, you were, you were doing quite all right, right. In a way that someone of a similar situation now just would not, would not be able to replicate, like acknowledge that, yeah, it is a loss for you guys. You, this isn't the same right. for you anymore, right? So, I don't quite buy that there is this uh, that their claims that you know they want to be inclusive and set you know decenter their, their shit, um, you know promote other voices. It's so on its face, so like it's asking them to be saintly in a very weirdly uh, in a way that we only assume white people are capable of being. We take it at face value that they'll do it. It makes sense, though, right? Because we're talking about how it's still, like, it's a humble brag, you know, they still are in this um, idea that they're on top and they've always been on top. And the the MAGA sort of um, admission that, you know what, we're actually doing pretty shitty, uh, the white liberal will never it's be able to do that, right? Because it's so true. they're always going to be like, you know, I'm. Uh, it's what's honest that? because it's, in a lot of ways, it's true. Yes, it's honest. It's honest. It's honest and true. But they're never going to want to actually yeah, admit that. Yeah, the liberals So they're going to want to play like, no, they can't. Right. So they're going to say things like, you know, they're going to, they're going to, um, you know, t- perform this guilt. And they're going to do all this because it's a, it's a show of strength to be able to say, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to not have any self-interest and I'm going to pull way back and give everything away. Well, then you assume that you have something to give away. Exactly. That, yeah. I think that's exactly it. So, so yeah. that, so, so it's a play. That's exactly to it. To keep, yeah, it's a play to keep that, uh, keep up the illusion that they have chips. That they're on top in every way that they have chips. And, right? that, it's a and bluff. that you'll, so it's we will trade them for these illusory yes. chips, right? And that's why yes. I say like it's so easy for white people to score points these days by dunking on Trump. Like, what are you giving up by dunking on Trump? Like what? What do you? What exactly are you giving up? Like what privilege are you giving up? Like what? You know how have you in any way disadvantaged yourself as a white man by dunking on another white man? Right? Like none. No, nothing. Yeah, right? that, Not, nothing. That, at that all. triangulates They're, that dimension here that I'm that I'm that I'm uh, talking about. They're not willing mm-hmm. to actually give up material privilege here, and you can see that. No. You can see this in how silicon, you know, this is embedded into the foundations of how or, Silicon Valley. Well, no, operates. but I think, no, but I think what we're, I think what we're saying, I think what um, we we were converging on was not just that they are not willing to give it up, but that they're pretending to give up privileges that have they already have lost. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like there, there's a degree to which there's a there's a there's a con game going on here where they are sort of just saying things that. You know, they're 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 basically pushing off saying like, oh, you know what? Like I disclaim my male privilege uh, and I check my privilege and I don't treat women the way Weinstein treats women. 
And I'm like, dude, you are never supposed to treat women the way Weinstein treats women. And to disclaim <laughs> right. that should bear, buy you no points. Well, right? they flex their noblesse of bleach in weird ways. Like you mentioned on Twitter, like a white girl mm-hmm. just come on into the thread to wail about, you know, declaiming white privilege. And it's like, no one asked you. This thread was going on just yeah. fine without you, your presence. Um, so yeah, but, but, you but added there's always going to be some Asian person or, or, or black person or someone on Twitter who's going to overreact to this person coming in and act this white person coming in and acting all contrite and woke and, and just give them a huge, you know, thank you, a huge of credit yeah. validation and just say like, you know, you're invited to the barbecue or whatever. And I'm like, what did this person say? What did this person do? And I just feel like they're. You know, I think this is a problem that we as non-white people have, and I will say non-white because I think this goes way beyond just Asians, that um, we need to stop feeling like we need to understand our own strength and our the, 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 yeah. the strength of our own position. And that for some reason, that's actually something very hard for us to do, I think, because we've been trained, I think, to um, never look down. Do you know what I mean? By never look down, like... Um, in a way, we're asked yeah. to never look up. Yeah. Right. Like. Right. We we, we don't want to get take our eyes off the prize because you know you don't want to like get lazy, right? And so we don't like to talk about the ways in which our position is actually good. Uh, and I see this a lot in like you know online with Asian people that are trying to awaken other Asian people, and they're saying no, no, no. You think it's good? You're a fool. It's terrible. Oh, you think you have it good? Oh no, you you you're you know you're simply the white man's puppet or whatever. And that's the awakening process now is like telling people how bad they have it, and you're conditioned to never consider your strength. And I think that's kind of where it comes right. from. It's it, it it is this this sort of like. Uh, uh, existence of living in a sort of like um, what is it called like a like a culture of of deprivation you know like a culture of scarcity where yes yes culture of I was going to say that it yeah it comes from a fear right mm-hmm. it's like a it's a um, it comes from a like a, 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 this feeling that we're not we're not on a on a secure footing right and so, so we don't ever want to take anything the, for the granted for that the reason so. we shouldn't feel that. Sorry, sorry, Anna, I just want to get this out before I forget the lose the thread. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Is is just that uh, what happens is we become we overvalue allies, like we overvalue like even small tokens of allyship. Do you know what I mean? Like if someone just comes mm-hmm. in and says even something remotely like you know supportive, that person suddenly becomes a fucking hero. Like case in point, like do you remember that guy Ed Scrine? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> gave up that that role. Yeah. And people were like, yeah. like Asian people were like, basically, weeping some in blog, the street. It was just so crazy. They're calling him like Jesus, like, oh my God, this was a Jesus move, you know? Hallelujah, sweet praise Jesus. Like, you know, he, the, you know, one good white man finally said it and, and did it, put his money where his mouth is. And I'm like, <laughs> it's kind of cool that he gave up the role, but honestly, he shouldn't have taken it. It you know what have I mean? Been like, yeah. to him he's, he he's not doing it because yeah. he shouldn't do it. You know, he's not fucking Jesus. He's just kind of, kind of following a basic rule because he's seen the kind of pushback that you know uh, other white act- actors and actresses get. Like, I think, I think whitewashing actually really did hurt the reputation of uh, of uh, of uh, Scarlett Johansson. 
I think she paid like a price for for that. You know, she hasn't shown up at awards in a while. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of stuck playing. I don't know. She, I just, I just feel like she just she she just gets dunked on online all the time, and it's not just Asian people doing it to her. Like any any person that doesn't like her uses the ghost in the shell dunks. Yep. You know what I mean? And yeah. yep. I guess what I'm saying is just like, you know, we have the power to enforce these things. And by we, I mean non-white people. You know what I mean? Like we could see that, mm-hmm. you know, people will, other, non-Asian, you know, non, other non-Asian POC will come out and support Asian issues if they, because it's the same issue, right? Uh, and so I guess it's like, if we can recognize the degree to which we were successful, that you know we don't need to keep dunking on uh, what's her name, uh, uh, the 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 one that got dunked on at the Golden Globes, and she she screams sorry, Emma Stone, right? <laughs> Emma Stone, Emma yeah, Stone. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, we uh, don't need. If the harder we dunk, the harder we play up these these problems. Uh, to a degree that's kind of unreasonable because I think whitewashing was a little bit overplayed, right? And people were like, oh, you can never overplay. This is a very serious issue, right? I'm like, yeah, you can overplay it. There are more serious issues than whitewashing. And but you know, whitewash, just white, since you mentioned that, uh, forget yeah. whitewashing anything else. I want them to stop whitewashing shit about Rome and Greece. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's more <laughs> central sure. to, to what we're getting at than... Like 300? Yeah. Like fucking a Scottish accent? Yeah. Are you are you kidding me? In Rome's time or, or just from a those yeah, are, yeah. I mean like the Romans would be rolling in their graves if they knew that people from, you know, Britannia, the savages from that yeah, right. that shitty island right. were right. We're portraying them. uh Romans, yeah. 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 I mean even even from a from a different perspective like uh there was a um, video game called Kingdom Come Deliverance. And it was just like all white people, and people were complaining about. It's it like you know, Europe wasn't just all white people, <laughs> and 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 all the all the you know Gamergate people freak out when you point that well, out. Well, it's it's like white people weren't you know? white people yet at that point. Everyone else was yeah. uh, had their shit together harder than Europe did. I just don't think that it's necessary to be like that thankful for like moderate shows of decency. Oh, yeah, and, and I think that is a form. I think that's the way we suffer under to close it out. I guess we're at an hour. Um, but the the okay. My closing thought. I don't mean to close you all out, but my closing thought is the way. I guess as we talk through this on this conversation, what I see now is that one of the ways in which we suffer under liberal racism is sort of overvaluing basic decency. Uh, I from think we white put people. too much value. I think that from I white see people. this in yeah, yes, it's way people. too much. In white, yes, of course. The threshold is so freaking low for them. It's actually kind of condescending, which I like. But we excuse them all the time because I think we hold them to a very low standard in a way, right? And yeah. and uh, and um, I think that think about it this way: if you're someone who is very like appeasing of white people scared to say anything bad about white people even in your private life um if you think other people when they complain about racism are maybe being racist themselves like all these kinds of thoughts right if you think those thoughts i think it's because in a way you have too low standards for the way white people treat you you know because Mm -hmm. 
I'm not saying white people are bad people. I'm just saying we get, let them get, we treat them nicer than they treat each other. Think about that. Yes, that's true. You know true. what I mean? Like, that's, the, that's what when I see I don't like, is like when, when Asian people are nicer to white people than white people even want you to be. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> there is a degree to which people, you know, respect pushback and expect it. And at times enjoy, oh, absolutely. And at times enjoy it. A lot of friendships are built up over initially having a conflict. Because you become friends by getting past that conflict. That, if you don't have conflict, you don't even set up the yeah. the potential for that. Right. That is a huge part. That's a huge part, I think, of male friendship. Yeah, you have to have a little. I'll just conflict. put that out there. Yeah, um, it sets up a, both a level of uh, you know respect for the other person as well as feeling a little bit silly for having started something in the first place. You know, um, but that I think is the effect of liberal racism, is the way it cows people. You know. I think that's that's ultimately it's not the fear it's that complacency and gratitude that constant sense of like uh, yeah I don't really I don't feel racism in my life you know I don't I don't really sense anything mm-hmm. yeah and if nothing else it's yeah. not it's stopping it's ceasing to see like white as a as a cultural uh, ethnic uh, entity uh, as the norm. Um, it's just it's a shift in perspective. Like, you don't have to necessarily feel racism. Uh, you can use your lens to look at that shit and say that's fucking weird, and that's I, that's not what I'm 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 not cool with that. Without assuming that you're wrong for for feeling that way, or feeling cowed, like you said, um, and that's that's at the that's at the most like you know, mild end. The most malignant end is actually some pretty virulent patronizing uh, racist shit uh, that does have serious impacts on people's lives. Um, mm. So it's not it's not to dismiss liberal, liberal racism as like a milder thing than, uh, than conservative racism. I still think it, it does have a silencing and a suppressing effect on people who don't pass... Right. Um, Pass uh, the threshold, right? And I think conser- the alt right actually uh, has an interesting coinage. It's actually liberals and people of color, right? Which I th- and it's I thought I think it's a pretty astute uh, thing to notice that liberal is still a predominantly white institution that people of color kind of come in and out of as a, as it suits the liberal establishment's needs. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Just. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I feel that way myself. That's I, that's you describe my own personal relationship with it. it yeah, uh, I mean, this is this is this is probably how I interact with it. This is this encapsulates my experience with it. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, and you know, I, as a woman, I guess uh, my most immediate vector into that is like the Lena Dunham brand of racism, right? Uh, which is exactly mm. what you talked about—that kind of edgy, transgressive humor that relies a little on dabbing into the taboos. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's only—it's one directional. Uh, it's only ever one directional. It's always, you know, some white person uh, daring to say the that? n-word, or you know, going into like, uh, like oriental sex slave you know stereotypes or something it's never like a person of color pointing at a white person being like you fucking hick right mm-hmm. you you class jumping status grubbing hick right 
So I think the way that we're, it's it's very uniformly, it's so overwhelmingly one-dimensional that the transgressions happen in one direction. And the response is appropriately. So it sets up perfect, it's this entire community play, uh, production of slave play in a way. Mm-hmm. Where there is yeah. a there's a benevolent master who occasionally you know, in a sexy cool way, kind of crosses the line in a way that reinforces the line that he's supposedly mm. crossing. He or she, right. um, and it's right. on everyone else to it enforces it reinforces their power. Yeah, yeah, and everyone else is supposed to gasp or applaud or something, and we all are just playing our roles that we've been uh, designated. Uh, and that's the stifling part for me that it just feels so overwhelmingly. Uh, scripted every every inst it's there's no real like diversity of thought it, there's no diversity of ideology in this or whatever you know the meta ideology of these spaces you can you can predict how conversations go down i mean but it's not when you you keep saying scripted right like so i guess by that you're saying things kind of feel like they're going on a on a groove on a track and that it it's almost like no one's in control yet. We all know where this is going to go. Yeah, and we're does that make kind sense? Of, like yeah, you can't really blame anyone for. You, there's no one single culpable actor in liberal racism, right? It's it's not the fault of one person. There is no Donald Trump of liberal racism. Yeah, right? it doesn't manifest itself in any one person, right? It doesn't manifest mm-hmm. itself in any one act. Right, it's basically the world we live in. That's the thing about liberal racism that I think yeah. is why there's such a thing as racism. Because because by liberal, I think basically it's what you are, what's what you said, Jess. It's like basically the indoors for colored people. Mm-hmm. It's the side that you kind of have to be on because it's scarier on the other side. There's right? freaking okay, lynchings so on the other least, side. <laughs> yeah, so we're now inside the safe house, so to speak. Yeah, but inside the safe house, this is what we call liberal, right? And of course there's going to be racism in there. Of course yeah. there's going to be racism in that house, right? It just won't lynch you or whatever. Um, you know, mm. it won't commit a hate crime against you. But that's it. That's, that. you know, it's a very basic level of safety. And the idea yeah. that there would be no racism in here is just ridiculous. So I think that's liberal racism. It's everything in, that, in the world that we live in, basically, because we don't live in that other world. So I don't know why every time I read the news, that's all I read about. I'm like, I don't live in that world. What about this world? What about yeah. the racism in this world? They don't talk mm-hmm. about it. Because you can't, you can't piss off the gatekeepers. You can't well, piss Because off- they're perpetrating it. You know, yeah. They don't even know what it is. They're so used to it. Um, yeah. you know, and this just the, forms the, the, the matrix the- of thinking in this world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a, there's a well, huge roadblock yeah, and- here, I think, in the, you know, it's, and I see this in the groups that are allegedly fighting white supremacy here. Uh, I don't have a firm answer. Like, do we want white people to figure their shit out or not? Because in all of these, like, calls to mm-hmm. check white, pri- check your privilege, you know, acknowledge white supremacy, you know, deconstruct this and, and deconstruct that. It's basically pleading with white people to solve this shit. I, I think I think one one aspect of solving this shit for me, like let's talk about what's broken. And I notice this a lot, and this is one of the things that really pisses me off, is this huge gap that liberals play in terms of how they act towards America on the inside and the world at large on the outside. Right? The ways in which they'll 
they'll, they'll they'll be complicit in just the most racist shit abroad. The way we fucking support Israel, the way we support the Saudis, the ways in which we you know blame everything on the Chinese, right? Like blame everything on the Russians. Uh, the degree to which we will play that game and 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 you know dominate like defend every aspect of it but then turn around and then be so like i, I will say the word oversensitive to social issues here as if we're all fucking porcelain dolls is just the absolute epitome of hypocrisy for me <laughs> yeah the ways in which the ways in which we've divided ourselves into just absolute fucking uh you know just pure souls pure crystal souls here like that you know we can take no offense we can't be insensitive to the least amongst uh, you know amongst us yeah uh but then we can just be complete fucking bar you know oppressors outside of the united states just ridiculous it's just yeah mm -hmm. i mean liberal um, fundamentally broken liberals if you know if you're a person of color and you're you know talking to a lennon lennon dunham school of liberal racist person um yeah it's your value depends on whether they want to take a vacation in your in your home country or not. Like if they don't yeah. like yeah. where you <laughs> are, you a yeah. non shit are you a non shithole country? Yeah. Then yeah, we care and about like, you. Ooh. Or or how the how the local men there treat you. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. oh, you're mm -hmm. from you're from Bali. That's that's awesome. Versus yeah. you know you're yeah. from freaking China. Yeah. Right. So it's a it's. Yeah. Very much a value placed on like ethnicity is central to this. Like, uh, I I agree that you know there is a deracialization process that is required to become a, a card carrying member, but that ethnicity you bring into that space is core to your ultimate, you know, your valuation once you get through the door. Yep, it's a currency it for is. sure. Um, so it, it's it's. It's saying it's better than being lynched, but it's still a long ways from some like social utopia that it claims to be. Um, is that good enough? I like it's good enough, I guess, uh, compared to alternatives. But and it's, it's also not monolithic. I mean, I, I do want to say that there are parts of it that are better than others. Yeah. Um, I, you find good people think... everywhere, right? And as much as we bash. Mm. Like, we talk about white people. Like, white people are just people, right? Like, I think mm -hmm. there's a tendency to kind of, mm -hmm. in, 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 like, activist spaces, they kind of take on superhero dimensions, like superhuman proportions uh, with superhuman mm -hmm. talents yeah. and, uh, and superhuman evils. They're just people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think, like, hold, like put, needing their approval uh, for yourself is so it, it it's it's such a it's such a damaging way to go if any white well, person saying something to you can just ruin your fucking day because it came from a white person i think you gave them too much power oh yeah definitely yeah well, one thing we should clarify is that by liberal by liberal i i mean more people who identify as liberal and and not like actual liberal politics yeah which is a di completely different story like I think when it comes to politics of liberals, liberal politics, I think that has to be assessed, you know, sort of policy by policy. Yeah. Right? And right. I, don't, I would never say anything generalized about liberals never, you know, support anything good when it comes to politics. That's not true. There, there are definitely things that I agree with them on politically, you know. 
but right. when it comes to liberal America, I don't mean that. I mean, and I think we all do too, is liberal people who identify as liberals, right? Um, and the sort of social system that they've kind of put in place for themselves. Yeah, there's a demographic, like, there's some like really broad demographic uh, parameters to what we're talking about. Um, mm -hmm. I think these these like this is definitely not a pr individual thing. This is a collective thing. So, um, mm -hmm. liberal racism is kind of just the the emergent property of being, you know, probably you know a young a younger adult, a young to you know maybe middle aged adult living in you know a metro a U.S. metropolis with a certain amount of education and standing in society. Uh, yeah. Is, I, I mean, I, I'd say that it's probably a little bit older than we think. Sure. You know, I think there's some people I know that are in their 70s that would fit this mold. Hmm. Interesting. So okay. It's, I, I wouldn't say it's just sort of like millennials and some uh, Gen Xers. I, I, I think they're definitely people who are of our parents' oh, for sure. age for sure. that would fit yeah, that. That's, I yeah. Can, yeah. Okay. I stand corrected on that. Um, the hippie generation. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, I didn't mean to correct yeah, you. Yeah, it was an interesting. <laughs> it was when Bernie fever was uh, was raging through the land, and I and I kind of, like me and my dog. We we wandered into one of the rallies to kind of just see what was going on. Um, and this uh, this couple, like uh, two women in their mid fifties, uh, they they saw me. They were like, "Oh shit, you, you gotta come in." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, whatever. I'll just I'll, I'll see what's going on." And you know, they're trying to tell me all about. You know, they were hardcore Bernie stands too. Um, and they're just going on about, you know, like how bad Trump's immigration policies are going to be. And they're like, do you want to be sent back to China? Because Trump's going to do that. And I'm like, what's wrong with China? Right. And they were just mm. like floored. And I think yeah. like that just like for me, that kind of distilled like, oh, I, I, I see where you're coming from. Like, you think China is a you, shithole. You, you floored them because they were like, oh, wait. Yeah, that that is. Uh, yeah, that is resting on racism. Uh Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> there's this recognition of like, oh shit, that is racist. Oh fuck. Like, <laughs> I, I think for like a nanosecond, yeah. and then they're just sort of, then they just don't understand. I it. mean, they kind of like, fell like, over themselves. They, they, like it doesn't compute. It doesn't compute in their like algorithm. So then they just discard it. So it's like on the one hand, like it's a liberal, like it's a thing, right? Like protecting immigration. That's a that's a li like politically, that's a liberal stance, you know. And I, it's a principle that I. Yeah. I abide by and believe in to be ethically sound, but it's applied in such a racist freaking way, you know? Mm. You know, I have to, okay, I have to say, like, I can understand why white people feel anxious because I will say, if I was a white person listening to this podcast, which I'm sure there probably are, I'm sure there are some white people that listen to it. Okay, um, you guys are cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> seriously, to, to, that is cool. Yeah. Um, I would say that it would be difficult to know where I fit into this conversation. <laughs> well, and that's part of the problem, right? Is that they don't need to fit into well, the conversation. Well, no, see, well, like they oh, always no, need they to, mean, but you know they what? always Ultimately, try to insert themselves. At some level, they do. That's yeah. the thing. Because we keep saying that they do. I think we're telling them two things. We're saying, like, stop avoiding the topic, but then also stay in your lane. Yeah. Right? It's, it's confusing. It is it's a confusing. double bind. Like, if, if yeah, you just already it. decided, like, we're not advocating for, like, white genocide or anything, like, they're going to just be yeah. here, right? So at some point, right. the conversation includes them. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I get, yeah, I get what you're saying. As pushback against, it just... it's, at best right now, it's pushback against, like, white 
dominating whites dominating this conversation but it's uh it would be tough to say that there is uh there there's is no conceivable situation where they don't have a say um oh of course yeah of course i i guess that's where i was um being uh quote-unquote triggered is that it it seems including them always means them dominating exactly that's and that's that, what exactly. i and that's yeah. what yeah. i have a real problem with so of course but this you know, is they're, part of, they're like, the okay, like, domi- we, everyone talks wait, but, about wait, 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 let me clarify yeah. i want to clarify that though i want to clarify that because if you're white and you're listening to this that probably sounded like we were accusing you of being domineering but i don't think that's what we mean i think what it means is that when a white person is around everyone becomes acutely aware that a white person is around yeah and white people there are certain things they just don't get okay about us and right there's not we don't always act our usual asian selves around white people right because yeah. we know white people don't get it that's how it's dominating it's not it's because everyone suddenly is making space for you yeah it's, it's actually you're, right you're yeah dominating it's not that it's like an active domineering yeah. we, we're not saying that white people right, right. are barbarians and like to dominate we're saying that right not, not all of you you <laughs> we're saying that when you're white and you live in a white country uh, sorry, when you're not white and you live in a white country, white people will tend to dominate the situation because that's just how it is. Well, it that's becomes how true works, north. Right? So as an exercise, mm-hmm. like I believe in these spaces, um, trying out, you know, staying exclusive to the in-group, right? And it's nothing to do with white people. I don't believe white people are so like overwhelmingly charismatic or intelligent or anything that they'll just naturally come to dominate any room that they're in, right? Like it's right. it's not, That's not it's what no I intrinsic meant. property of that. It's the yeah. like like Teen said, they whiteness just becomes the true north uh, in a white dominate society. And I think it's kind of like yeah. it's an it's an exercise for this in group to try to get a feel for themselves without that that compass always pointing to us in a certain direction and that gravitation mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they just take on this gravitational pull that drags yeah. you so they're, towards they're, that we're, we're yeah they were pulling them into uh, a dominating position because we're always constantly making space for them yeah yeah i think that we got to take a little bit of a, a gamble here and not make space for them because we have the right to do that. Yeah. And I think we're mm-hmm. still scared of that because it's it seems so mean. It's precarious. Like, why would you do that? Well, it also seems precarious. I don't think it's that it's too. mean. I think yeah. it's literally that people find it invalid if there isn't buy-in. Like what's the point if there isn't going to be white buy-in at some at, at some level? White validation or even white opposition to something. Like white opposition mm-hmm. is as much currency as white validation. Uh, in mm. some online spaces. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I think those things are based on... I'm starting to understand this. I, I think those things... I've, I've talked to enough Asian people of different, like, stripes who fall into different... It's it's not always so obvious who's going to believe who feels one way or who feels another. And I think the accusations that fly around are sometimes a bit tough for people. Like, you know, um, I see those fly around when it comes to that calling people um you know white worshiping assimilationists you know fake chinese or whatever i mean i can understand how that fucking blows but um i i don't think it's so much couched on like uh 
you know, whether you're a good person or not, or a good Asian or a proud Asian or not, I think it's couched on sort of your intellectual understanding of where things are heading. So if you think things are heading, mm -hmm. so like we all have to basically, uh, you know, accept white dominance in this country forever, then that makes sense. But if you, like me, believe that we're heading towards a kind of cultural pluralism in this country, then mm -hmm. you'll feel another way. Yeah. So I'm starting mm -hmm. to see that, you know, people that I, maybe it's not the thing, the kind of division that is worth, is, is you can, that how you fall on it will put a certain value on you. I think it, I think it just points to how you think rather than how you feel, you know? That's fair. I think I'm, uh, tr I'm trying to I'm trying to be peaceable here. I'm trying I'm trying to find I'm trying to find <laughs> ways to bridge these gaps, I, and I'm just throwing that out there as a theory. I don't know. I'm, I got to sell it a little bit, you know. It's a good theory. Yeah. Anyway. I'm still thinking about. It. Yeah, that makes. That, yeah, I can I can see that happening. It basically, means dumb Asians not allowed. Um, <laughs> <so that's... laughs> We're full of ourselves here. Uh, yeah. Escape from Plan A. We are full of ourselves. That's that's like, that, that we okay, are. Look, like people talk about people talk about empowerment, right? Yeah. Um, from here, uh -huh. like four ways to Sunday. Um, but it's a weird it's a weird word to me, because even mm -hmm. though the word is empowered, which implies like it, it's centered in yourself, like you uh, find this power and you use it, the way it's actually used in discourse implies that it's power given to you. Um. That's the way it plays out. Mm, that's interesting. Okay. Um, so, the how it how that word manifests for me isn't you know, isn't to like, okay. So here's how it plays out for me in uh, in online the way I see it play out in online discourse. You'll talk about being empowered, right? So they do stuff, and there's a reaction to that saying like, well, you know, white supremacy won't allow you to do that or something, or you come up against all these like structural mm -hmm. reasons why you won't be able to do that. Uh, like to me, that does that part matters a little bit less, right? Like the best way for me to feel empowered is just to go fucking do it or say it or whatever, right? And not wait for that, not need that validation that it's okay for me to be empowered, because that's really just saying someone else gave me that power to do it. Um, where I'm going with this yeah. is, don't be afraid to speak your mind or have just have an opinion. Maybe you're not ready to say it. It's okay to have an opinion that isn't valid that yeah. you don't see validation yeah. for out yeah. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, huge. You are allowed. To, you have you and not only are you allowed, you have an obligation to do it. You do. Yeah, to you yourself. Need to show everyone demonstrated yeah. for other people who have the same feeling as you. Yeah, you yeah. need to go validate other yeah. people. It's not yeah. always you who needs to be validated. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so. I think a lot of people are stuck at that stage of not feeling like they have the right to that opinion or that they're somehow yeah. pathological for having an opinion that points in a certain direction that uh, they don't see other arrows pointing to, you know? Mm. Um, mm. So just go fucking, like, think it, write it, say it, do it. That's how you are actually empowered. It's not It's not a system that allows right. you to be empowered. It's you just saying, you know, fuck it, this yeah. is what I think. And then doing Shit. what what comes as a result of that. Be ethical, of course. Oh, it's yeah, but you know, yeah. and as it, as yeah. it relates to you know <laughs> like white society, like you have the power to judge it as much as you feel judged by it. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, and it goes to the whole feeling of like you, either you're um, an owner or uh, and you belong in a house, or you're a guest and you're you've got to tiptoe yeah. around, right? We've talked about that whole concept of like Asian America. I think as a whole, still feels like we're guests in a house, and I think what you're getting at, Jess, is that. No, we're not guests. You know, we're we're owners here, and like we can you, do things like what owners I mean, would do. It's I see a lot. Well, of we're owners, talk. not renters. Yeah, exactly. Like people talk about like, oh, I feel, and we can com- renovate and knock down walls, and we can do all sorts you of shit. Say, yeah, and, you and you can don't say, say like, know I this. You're not, hate- you're not gonna you're not gonna kowtow to someone just because they have a bigger house than you, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, we were all taught this. I hope, right? Like, you know, you don't you don't just <laughs> bow down because someone has more money or power than you. Like everyone knows this. Yeah. And insofar as there's like. There's actually more validation out there than I think we collectively think there is. Because we talk about liberal racism as yes. in what happens to us, right, by the system. But one thing key to this whole, like, I think it's a sick relationship, but it is, but let's talk about that relationship. They actually need us. Here's, yeah. like, so there is a very real a possibility for a liberal reinvigoration or, you know, retaking of liberal identity that uh, um, that is shaped according to our voices, our uh, opinions of this. Because uh, the, the, the thing that we talk, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, there's always that token, you know, person of color or token, you know, gay person or whatever. Uh, there is a signal out there that there that that these liberal white liberal spaces are not valid without some buy in from other pe- other groups of people. Mm. Um, so this, so there is power in that relationship as well. You don't have to buy into it, but you can recognize that that is there. You can choose to, that that makes it a choice whether you want to participate and if you do, uh, what the nature of that participation will be. Like, you're not silent in that, in, in that dynamic here. You shouldn't be. I mean, that's a spineless thing to yeah. do, to be the token, the one token that, invited in and you sit in a freaking corner and laugh politely while they we just we just need pioneers to do it we just need when people do it the first time and it people see Mm -hmm. it it just becomes that much simpler to do it you know to repeat but if you've never seen it before then it's hard to model you know like you gotta be take take a leap of faith and just do it um yeah that's all the first step is always the hardest yeah and i think everyone could have maybe a little bit more of that in their life. I certainly could, but like, um, uh, maybe that's what it is. Like everyone, you know, I do feel like we're in positions where we could be doing a lot more than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people mm-hmm. don't necessarily want to take that, um, that little step, you know, or, or know in, what starts, that next step is. So. It starts in your immediate life. Um, mm. it means if, if there's something, you know, if something's bothering you, at least take the time to think it through, right? That's where it's kind of started with me. Like all these niggling little things that I convinced myself I didn't have time to think about or worry about, or things that I, th- I told myself I was just uh, like making up or pretending. Stop living in denial. Yeah, like you aren't. <laughs> you can have this opinion, you know. Think it through, but it's it is yours, and you shouldn't feel like you don't have the right to have to have critical thinking skills. Right. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, you know, I don't know, like try having try having an uncomfortable conversation with a friend. Yeah, I, I think that I think what I think what kind of cuts against that the reason people don't do that 
is because you know it's so easy to belittle why we don't do it it's because we're fearful it's because you know because we're trying to motivate the other people to do it. it's like it's because you're fearful it's because you're uh you know scared to take a risk you're not you know you're risk averse or whatever um but i think sometimes it's often more than that it's like a calculated decision that i have bigger things at stake and it's not worth it like this is not worth it because i have you know even bigger things ahead of me uh, I think a lot of Asian people who ended up being the firsts in their field, I'm going to be the first this or first that, often preach this idea that, you know, you'll never make it to the mountaintop unless you just, you know, put up with everything and take everything the world's going to throw at you. And when mm -hmm. they succeed, uh, the few who do, they'll kind of preach that as the way to do things. And um, I think that's, there is a commendable reason why people sometimes don't try to ignore things, not just because they're fearful, but because they're like actively trying to hold out for higher stakes. But we do, I think, need to leave a bigger wake when, when shit really, you know, gets fucked up. Like we need, we now need to have a communal understanding of what the red line is with us and that people should expect that if they cross the red line that, you know, you might get, you might get pushed back. Uh, so just no yeah. one's surprised, you know? So if yeah. that's the case, then mm -hmm. you can at least have the freedom to know, oh, that's a social transgression. Everyone knows it. And I'm going to say something about it, you know? So yeah. we need to get there. Yeah, that's, it's true what you say about the pioneers, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm definitely not one of those. Um, right. And I happen to what look around. What are you talking around. about? I... You doing it from the podcast? The pioneer. It's a pioneer. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah. but you know, like, like the first, you know, like, uh, like there's all these really scary firsts out there, right. That I, I don't think mm -hmm. I would have in me to have done if I were in that time, like the first Asian American, like chief of medicine or the first Asian American mm -hmm. astronaut or something like, I don't have it in me to mm -hmm. like fight an entire system to get to. Mm -hmm. I, so I'm acknowledging mm -hmm. some gratitude and a, a certain amount of privilege in being able to say that, uh, being situated where I am, I had the privilege of a lot of, uh, like Asian and Asian, you know, Asians and women and, you know, whatever, uh, intersection of identity forms, you know, me to take cover fire for me. Right. Like there was a critical yeah. enough mass that I felt comfortable enough, uh, to do my thing. I never felt like, uh, I had to represent, you know, my entire, you know, you know, all Asian women or anything like that. I was just allowed to be me to to whatever extent was possible at the time. Um, so I am I'm I'm. So I guess what I'm saying in that is uh, so it's kind of the inverse of what you're talking about with the pioneers, right? Like I don't have to necessarily swallow all of my all of the transgressions against me and kind of like just shuffle it all into one corner of my mind with you know with my eye dead set on the prize right i'm sure those people there's there's ugly shit that they have to deal with to get there and if the, that's the price they were willing to pay and they were able to succeed then that's that's awesome for them and they deserve all the accolades that they get i'm comfortable with fewer accolades but more cover fire uh around me so in mm -hmm. that sense you know it's a little being able to express these opinions or have them and feel legitimized and validated in it, uh, and not feel like I'm materially like sacrificing anything. Like I'm not putting my job on the line or my safety or anything. Right. Uh, that is a privilege. Um, so I am very grateful to the pioneers who came before 
and and still recognize that the advice that worked for them is just not going to apply to me. But what they were able to do is create an atmosphere where I could be just a little bit more free to have my own opinion and go my own way with things than they were able to do. Um, So I guess it's kind of that middle, like online discourse tends to go like all this or all that, right? Either you become a complete, you know, sociopath and charge ahead right? You go to the gym every morning at five and you drink as much protein as you need to become partner at your law firm or whatever, right? Like there's that that path. And there's the opposite extreme to that, which is like everything is society, like everything is so structural that there is no room to like move forward, right? And I'm talking about this kind of like hazy middle, which I feel like a lot of people are in, um, where you do have a little bit more flexibility uh, than you might think you do. Yeah. Did I just completely lose the two of you? Okay. No, I think okay. that's good no, advice. No, no, I think that's no. that's very solid advice that's being given here. It's very. No, I'm serious. Where else, where else are you gonna hear it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. People that see now I have the confidence of feedback where people actually have told us things, where I'm like, you know, I am glad that we do this podcast. Well, and yeah, and I was uh, and while you were talking, Jess, I was just thinking that, like, I was totally agreeing with you about how you know, it, it's nice to be in a in a position of sort of, of, I guess, privilege is the word, or um, being a beneficiary of the real struggles and, and efforts of the, 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 the pioneers. But even just, you know, broaching some of the ideas or topics or having the discussions that we have on this podcast in your real life with real people, um, that can be sort of, you know, pioneering in your own way and in your own so, sort of social circle. So you don't need to think, oh, you know, this is a really small thing I'm doing um, to, to sort of just, you should go ahead and do it. Like you can, just because you're not going to be the first, you know, female Asian astronaut doesn't mean that you can't sort of be the first to sort of talk about this stuff uh, in your own, you know, own group of friends. Yeah, I found, you know, like, Ta- you know, take, you know, take inspiration from that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel, I feel like like starting to have like tougher and tougher conversations with my friends um it kind of exposed like some of these are people i've known for at this point like decades right and to realize like how um how atomized we all were despite a nominally close friendship uh that was that was kind of humbling to me and then it's been very rewarding to get that like it's not like they all agree with me or anything but in the process of no, cashing of course. it out, it's thinking it happen, through, yeah. I feel like, uh, like I definitely feel like my social uh, sphere has been enriched by having tried to think through, like collectively think through some of these things. And so it's pretty gratifying to realize, like, um, you're not you're not alone in having these concerns or seeing the same thing, right? It's really powerful not, to have five people around. Not only are we not alone. Well, not only are we not alone, so to speak, but I think we're behind uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, a lot of things that we feel are very, like, strange or unique to the Asian American experience. And we get all, like, you know, like, Asian American writing about this is always very, like, how do I put it, like, we're so ineffable. It's so difficult to describe what it is like to straddle. Mm. No, it's not. Like, a lot of people do that. There's so many immigrants mm-hmm. in this country, and they, it's exactly the same. I, thought, uh, I also thought that was like, just brand protection. 
Like, I kept hearing from yeah, Chinese people all I mean, the like, time. It's really, like, we're not that special. We're not that fucking special. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I guess, I don't, I don't know how else to put it, but we over, we're overly precious with ourselves. Okay? I think so. Uh, uh, yeah. I, we're the newest. It, so it's, in, it's in the modern us from, context. from mingling. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I actually found yeah, a mingling. lot of, like, gratification so. uh, in reading, like, turn of the last century, like, immigrant narratives from like irish authors right yeah yeah like it, mm. it, it there's a commonality and it should be humbling because i feel like a lot of asians kind of get off on this uh whole like for, perpetual foreigner like we're just from a different dimension kind of the kind of thing mm-hmm. like like no this is this is kind of this is just how people are and this is how people have always been it's just this was a unique social context in which it was our turn to experience this like, dude, mm-hmm. like, okay, teen, I don't, dude, Chinese people are amazing at this whole, like, Chinese brand protection thing. My entire life, I'm just hearing how, like, you can, you just, there's just no way to understand being Chinese. Uh, and it's probably true. Yes. But it's like, you just have to be yeah. Chinese to it, understand. It kind of, like, what are you, what are you fucking talking? Okay. All right. Like, it, you would understand if it, you're Chinese. It's, it's, well, it's kind of true, but it's, it's only true that, like. <laughs> It kind of is. Uh, I think Chinese people sometimes don't understand what being Chinese is like. I um, fucking knew it. It's just a cover. <laughs> <laughs> I think Chinese people, you know, like, I think in Chinese culture, you gave up. You gave up the bag, man. Come I on. fucking yeah, knew I think it. There is, there is rivalry over who actually understands being Chinese and who doesn't. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is, uh, from, not very from the surprising. outside looking in, when I think about China. I think about a whole bunch of different people uh, claiming that they're Chinese and everyone else is not. So. <laughs> Sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. In, in a country of like a million and a half people, a billion and a half people, that, that that's, that's be ethnic solidarity in China is <laughs> yeah. everyone claims Arguing that about- everyone else is not that. <laughs> that's ethnic solidarity. Yeah, claiming no go. one around you is of that of your ethnicity. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm the only one. All right. Um, <laughs> Should we end there? We we have strayed we have strayed a bit away yeah. from well, that's why we the topic edit. of white liberalism. That's why we edit. <laughs> that's why we edit. But yeah. it does sort of tie back though, because I think a lot of this conversation um, is because of sort of the confusion of the um, the political landscape and the cultural landscape that white America, both conservative and and liberal, has created in America. And for Asian Americans and all the other minorities to sort of survive, we've had to sort of try to, we've had to uh, um, really twist ourselves into pretzels to sort of fit in. And that's where a lot of this confusion (laughs) comes in. And that's what we're talking about right now. Mm. So I think it does fit into the the white liberal racism that we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, But does anyone have any last thoughts? I guess I would just slip in, if you're out there and you feel like you're going to strangle the next guy with a handlebar mustache that crosses your way, and you're a little scared by that feeling, come, <laughs> just, just come talk to us. We'll sort you out. That's right. That's right. It's not worth it. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the beginning. We're going to open right. with that. Okay. Yeah, well... <laughs> 
That's our show for this week. As usual, if you enjoy the podcast, if you find it useful in some way, it seems like some of you do, uh, please give us a reading, uh, rating if you haven't already. And we love hearing from you, so editor.planamag at gmail.com is our email address. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday evening with another episode of Escape from Planning. So we'll all...